this morning we're going to be looking ahead into um, where God is going to be leading us in, in, in this coming year, whereas last week we looked back at 2019 and we gave testimonies of what God did in our lives during the year, and we lots of us were very encouraged by the testimonies that were given, and so I want to say thank you to everyone who, um, who was willing to share those testimonies, who I know that for some of you it, it takes a lot of courage to speak up in, in front of a group, and so um, I, I do want to say thank you to everyone who spoke up last week. Um, we are entering a, a year that I can remember as a kid um, thinking that man, this 2020 will never get here. I, I remember thinking the year 2000 would never get here, but 2020, I mean, that's, that's futuristic. That's when, you know, space uh, adventures were set. We're not quite there yet. We, we, we still got a little ways to go in reality, but, um, but here we are, and last week we talked about um, where we have been in the previous year. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to give some of, of my personal testimony of, of how God has worked in my life, in, um, specifically in following Him and, and ministry. And, um, and so what we're going to do this morning is we're, we are going to continue where we were last week as far as um, testimonies and testifying about what God has done. Uh, but we're also going to go back to where we were at the end of November. And at the end of November, we were in Hebrews 13. And so I will reread a few of these verses uh, to, to get us familiar. But specifically in that message, we were talking about being thankful and being content around Thanksgiving season. And, um, and so when we were looking at that, I had the intention was to finish up once we got through the Christmas season. And, and this is a really good message about what should we do. And what we should do, as we will see, the, the theme is, is we should remember where we've come from. We should remember the things that God has done in the past, but we should also press forward with him and seeing where we're going and making sure that we're following hard after him. And so in Hebrews chapter 13, we are going to start in verse 1. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read verses 1 through 6, which is the, verse, the verses we covered in November, and I'll just do a very brief review. But pay attention to these words, because it's just a command after a command after a command after a command, and it, it goes from one thing to another. I mean, we start with a simple phrase, let brotherly love continue. Now, this assumes that it's been going on, right? It doesn't say start loving your brother. It says let brotherly love continue. Continue. Now, I will say, if, you're, if you don't love your brother, then start loving your brother. But for most of you in this room, I know that you, you have a relationship with Jesus, and you um, love the people around you, and you want them to know his love. And so let brotherly love continue. Continuing into verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them. And so he's not just giving us these broad statements as like let brotherly love continue and then he dropped it. He's telling us some very specific ways to let brotherly love continue. Show hospitality to strangers. Uh, be there for those who are in prison. Remember them as if you yourself were there. 
That's, that's different than just think about those people who are in prison. This is saying remember them as if it was you who were there. Now, he's probably talking about people who are in prison specifically for sharing the gospel and living for Jesus. Um, but regardless, we should remember those who are in prison. We should pray for them. Um, and, and then continuing after the conjunction there, and, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. So it's a, you're a part of the body. And so when one of us suffers, it should be that we all suffer. Just as when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. And then let marriage be held in honor among you, among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so that's, that's what we looked at at the end of November. And just looking at this and taking this in because we, this is a building block. I don't want us to, it's not that I have to re-preach that sermon. But I do want us to take all of this in because it is connected to what's coming. He is saying that there is a specific way that we have been told to follow Jesus. There is an expectation that when we become followers of Jesus, that we are going to live our lives for him. And we live in a time that doesn't necessarily reflect that. We live in a time where people might say that they are going to follow Jesus, but then they don't. Or they might say that they're a Christian, but there's no evidence of the fruit of that in their life. Because we, we live in a time where it, in our culture, I should say, because there are definitely places in this time and around the world where this is not the case. But if I call myself a Christian, that doesn't cost me much, right? Maybe in some circles, but for the most part, in Mansfield, Arkansas, it's not going to hinder me um, to call myself a Christian. In fact, uh, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but I've seen it happen before in an election year, which we're in, um, where all of a sudden, local people who are running for office, they show up at church when you've not seen them before. Now, I'm glad they're there, but that's, they're showing up because there is still a social benefit in, in, in our local culture to being considered a Christian. And that is a blessing. I'm glad that I'm not persecuted for being a Christian. But what it also does is we have a lot of people who call themselves Christians because what's the harm in it? And it might, there might even be a social benefit to calling yourself a Christian. But in reality, they don't live their life for Christ. And maybe that's a little harsh of a statement. But we're called to love people. As leaders, we're called to judge people in the sense of knowing where they are spiritually. Not, you know, condemn them for being where they are spiritually. But knowing where they are spiritually so that we can help them. Because if someone doesn't know Christ... Don't we want to help them to realize that and come to know Christ? And if someone does know Christ, but they're not following him wholeheartedly, don't we want to be able to identify where someone is? And the Bible gives us plenty of these markers for us to see 
if we're truly in relationship with Christ, and not only are we, if we're truly in relationship with Christ, but how faithful we are in following him. And a lot of these show up in the way that we behave. If we truly love him, according to John 14, we are going to do what? Obey him. Jesus says in John 14, if, if you remember John 14, at the end of 13, going into 14, that's when Jesus, when, when he tells them that he has to go away and he's going to die. And, and Peter says, no, that's not going to happen. And uh, Thomas gets upset and he was like, what are, you, what are you talking about you're going to go? Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How, you know, how are we, how's it going to be okay? And Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you, you, you get this, uh, this episode where Jesus is encouraging them to persevere even after he leaves. And then immediately he lets them know why it, it, there are going to be things that are even better about him leaving. Because he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. And when he talks about the Spirit filling them and and encouraging them and comforting them and helping them, there's this word that he says multiple times at the end of John chapter 14. And that word is obey or obedience or keep my commandments or some form of obeying. And if we love Jesus, then we're going to obey him. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to obey him perfectly. I, I mess up all the time. If, if we were to just start scrolling a list of my sins on the screens up here, we'd be here for a while. Some of you would lower your head and you would think, our pastor struggles with that, our pastor does that. But I'm, I'm a sinner, just like you're a sinner. And just like you wouldn't want your sins scrolled up there, I, I don't want mine scrolled up there. It might be good and healthy to have our sins scrolled up there because then maybe we'd have a little more accountability but I don't want them scrolled up there. And the thing is, though, when I sin, I repent. And we're going to, all of this, when we start reading, you're going to see this come out. But I repent when I sin. And I ask God to forgive me. And I strive to not do that anymore. And what happens is, is that sometimes, when I got saved, for example, um, it was not hard to, to quit drinking alcohol. And, and I'm not telling you that everyone should quit drinking alcohol, but that was a choice that I made. And I believe that there is danger in alcohol, that we have to be careful with it, and that uh, it, because of the position of leadership I would be in, and because of the culture that we live in, there are a lot of reasons why I chose at that age, specifically because it was illegal for me. I was 21. I was not 21, I should say. Um, I chose to quit drinking alcohol. No problem, right? I mean, I say no problem. My mouth still waters when I walk by, you know, the liquor store, uh, the liquor aisle in Walmart sometimes, stuff like that, because I remember the taste of it. But um, for me, the dangers that are associated with it at that age, and it was illegal, it wasn't worth partaking in that, right? And so uh, now I'm of age, but I choose not to do it primarily for cultural reasons, um, but that's another sermon for another day. Uh, So, there were some things that were very simple for me to stop doing. Then there were other things that were not so simple for me to stop doing. 
And uh, for example, it was not so simple for me to stop just being angry when I get offended or when someone wrongs me or something like that. Um, how many of you have been a Christian for a few years and you still have a hard time with that one? It's not easy for me um, not to get my feelings hurt when someone gossips about me, right? Things like that. There are, there are things that I still struggle with. And God's still working on me. And there are things, if, if I were to look at the beginning of 2019 compared to right now, I believe that I changed significantly last year. And maybe it wouldn't be in a way that you would be able to tell, I don't know. But Rose and I have talked about this, and we feel like even from the time we moved here three years ago to now, that God's changed us a lot. He's never done with us. And so, it's important to remember that we change. If we're following Christ, if we're obeying him, he transforms us into his image. And if there has been no change in your life since you professed and said that you were a Christian, then I think that there have to be some tough questions that need to be asked of yourself. Am I really following and if, you, if the answer is no, then you can start right now. You can become a follower of Jesus. You can ask him to save you. You can be born again. If the answer is, yeah, I am a Christian, but there hasn't been that much change, then why? Because, last little statement here before we get back to the scripture. Um, I find it interesting, and I'm guilty of this. A lot of us have been guilty of this. When we say that, um, well, my testimony isn't as awesome as yours. How many, you, we, we know we've heard this before. My testimony isn't as awesome as yours. I mean, you know, you've been to prison and, you know, that's part of your story. Or you were addicted to heroin or, you know, some crazy story where God has redeemed someone and there's these radical changes in their life. Um, and I think that we do a disservice to God when we say that, well, I don't have that testimony. And the reason is, is because I don't care how good of a person you were before you came to know Christ, you were still a sinner in, in deserving of hell. And I don't care how good of a person you were before you came to know Jesus. The truth of the matter is, is that I've never met a person who's not following Jesus who is like Jesus. I've met some people who have been following him for a while who I'm not saying that they're perfect, but they remind me of Jesus. The way they live their lives, the humility, the way they serve others, the way they lead, the way they, you fill in the blank, they remind me of Jesus. But it's been very few six-year-olds, because a lot of people who say that were saved as children, right? Very few six-year-olds who I know who are completely selfless and um, I've I've experienced one six-year-old, and I have a daughter who thinks she's 16. So um, speaking from a little personal experience here, um, six-year-olds are not perfect. Can anyone testify to that? And so um, when, when we think that, well, I didn't have a stage in my teenage years where I did drugs or where I did this or I didn't go through this problem, you know, I... I hadn't, haven't been divorced eight and a half times or whatever. 
so I, I don't really have a testimony, then I would say there's something wrong about the way we follow Jesus. Because when we follow him the right way, no matter how good we were before, our lives will look totally different afterwards. And so with that said, we, in the first six verses there, we saw, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect hospitality to strangers. Be there with the prisoners. When, <coughs> excuse me. One thing after another, we see. And, and, and he, we finished verse 6 by this quote, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what can man do to me. And then he goes into verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Now, I would say that this probably means that their leaders are not with them anymore. That, that they probably, they're probably dead. They've probably been persecuted to that point. And that's why he's saying, remember your leaders. Like, it, they're, they're gone. Like, remember them. It's, it's, they're in the past. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Because he's telling them some things to do. The author of Hebrews is telling them some things to do here. And then he's, he's about to, to talk to them about some false teachings that's been going on in the conclusion of this letter. And he says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard someone say the words, and, and I know that it's meant with like, the best of intentions, um, but, but don't, don't follow me, don't be like me, be like Jesus. But you know how many times in the New Testament, the way we learn to be like Jesus is by following people who have been following him, and by people making disciples of us, and so, yes, our ultimate goal is to be like Jesus, but do you know how we know how to be like Jesus? Well, we have the, whole, the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the example of those who came before us. I guarantee you that every single one of us in this room right now, if we're Christians and living faithfully for Jesus, that we had good examples in our life that came before us. And we could probably name them. And I've heard about some of those from you guys, the people in your past who were examples for you and who lived for Jesus. And what they're saying here is, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, there's a lot here in this one verse, and I don't want to spend the rest of our time here in this one verse, but this is just really good. First, if you're a leader, you want to be the type of leader that is remembered. You want to be the type of leader that it can be, these things can be said of you. And so if you're in here and you consider yourself a leader, then are you setting an example for others to follow? As when I was preparing this sermon, I was talking to John Michael, who um, loves when I say his name in church, and uh, he actually does, unlike his mother, who does not like that. But, um, but I asked John, I said, John, I said, if someone uh, needed help, if they needed some money, do you think mom and I would help? And he said, yes. So if someone needed a ride somewhere, do you think we would give them a ride? Yes. If someone needed us to be in the hospital with them, do you think we would do that? Yes. And I just went through, I don't know, probably 10 to 15 questions, and he answered yes to all of them. And you know why he knows we would do that? Because he's seen it. We've set the example. We cannot be scared as leaders 
to say, look, I fail at this a lot, but watch me as I get back up. Watch me as I pursue Christ. Watch me as I strive to live my life in a way that honors him and, and is like him, and you, you follow my example. And I know that that's a scary place for us to be. But let's be like the author of Hebrews who is telling us to remember those who came before us. Let's don't forget what they taught us. Let's consider the outcome of their way of life. This is specifically talking about their actions, what they did, how they lived their life, and imitate their faith. You don't know how to have faith? You don't know how to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? You know what, how you can start learning? Watch people who are doing it. Look for examples. If you're a Christian, be that example. And where, where are we in our walk with Christ? We all have a responsibility in, in, to follow him wholeheartedly. When we became a Christian, we, didn't, we weren't making a deal where we said to Jesus, I'm going to uh, be spared from hell. I want that. I want to get saved, but I don't want to follow you with all my heart. That's not possible. He becomes our Lord at salvation. Now, whether we live for him faithfully as Lord, that's another story, but he is our Lord. And as Lord, he gets to direct our steps. He gets to tell us what to do and how we live our lives. And so we have to do that. We have to follow him no matter where he leads and leaders. We have to be the kind of people who will follow him wherever he leads because people are watching us. If we have a problem with where religion in America is today, you know whose fault it is? It's not just ours. It's also the people who came before us. Because we played a part in that in not making disciples the way that we're supposed to make disciples, in not setting the example in the way that we're supposed to set the example. We played a part in that. Now, I don't want to be too hard because there have been, I've had incredible examples in my life of, of what it means to follow Jesus, as I know many of you have. And I'm not saying that there haven't been those faithful few, but I'm saying that for those of us who have Christ, Every member is a minister. Every member is an ambassador for Christ. Every member is a missionary. Every, every single Christian, every single member of this church is a priest for him. We looked at those things in October. And so we have to realize that we have a responsibility to live out a way where people can look to us to know how to follow Christ. Remember those leaders. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Now, this is assuming here, because it's specifically talking about a specific group of leaders, these leaders were faithful, even, it seems, to the point of death. And he is, the author is telling them, consider the outcome of their way of life. Basically, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, if they wouldn't have told you about Jesus, if they wouldn't have lived their life like he lived his life. You have to teach sound doctrine. You have to teach what the Bible says because if they wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't know what is sound. And these are the things that he's telling them there. And then he ends verse 7 by saying, and imitate their faith. And so for those of us in this room, 
if we're wanting to know what kind of a Christian we should be, and therefore what kind of a Christian we should imitate, we should imitate the ones who are willing to sacrifice everything for Christ. We should imitate the ones who are willing to, to follow him no matter the risk, no matter the cost, no matter how hard it is. You know, one of the questions I asked John, I said, do you believe that your mom and I would move to, I think I used Africa as an example, uh, if that's where God led us? And of course, we would take our children with us. Uh, and he said, yes, without hesitation. And he's right. Wherever God leads, we're willing to go. Now, do I want to go some places in this world? No. Will I? Absolutely. We have to be willing to do whatever God asks. What if God asks you to take a pay cut in order that, that you can follow him better in this other job? Guess what we have to be willing to do? We have to be willing to do that. What if God asks us, I want you to, to turn off the TV for just 30 minutes a night and read your Bible? We have to be willing to do that. And I would venture to say that's probably a good idea, by the way, if, you're, if you don't have a time where you're reading your Bible. Turn off the TV for 30 minutes. I know that you don't get much time to unwind and, and to refresh, but if you think that an, another episode of The Office will refresh you, wait until you see what the Word of God does. Lead your family in that. Have a, a, a time of devotion with them. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So the examples that we, of those who are faithful, not, I mean, we had bad examples too, but from those who are faithful, the examples that we were shown, we can trust that, not because the times are unchanging, Times change. We have to change with them. We have to do things differently. We don't change our obedience, but we do change our methods sometimes, right? There are things that I do on a weekly basis a lot that would be the modern equivalent of either the good guy and the good Samaritan or the priest who keeps on walking, um, it, but it looks a lot differently than they did it because we live in a different time. And so we have to make sure that we understand that, yes, methods change. Yes, the way we do things have to change. We have to continue to reform and update. But the Word of God never changed. And not only does the written Word not change, but the living Word, He never changes. Jesus never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He, he, the, the same sins that upset Him 2,000 years ago, still upset him. And the same things that honor him and glorify him and the, the characteristics or attributes like sacrifice and humility and service and, and, and leadership and, and all of those things that honored him still honor him. It's just the way we go about those things might change every once in a while. Verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. And, and apparently, this is infiltrated here because he's about to go into it. So as I read this, I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to skip it, but I'm, I'm going to read it. But realize that some things are happening where they're basically, it seems like, because this is a difficult passage to understand, so I'm giving you the explanation before we read it this time. Um, but as we're reading this, realize that it, what it looks like from the context is, is that these people have been teaching that in, 
in traditional Judaism, right, in the Old Covenant, they would do the sacrifices, and the pure animal would come in, it would spill its blood, and did the dead animal just stay in there? No, they took it outside the city and they discarded it. And so there are these people who have been saying, well, if Jesus was all that, why was his body taken outside the city? If Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, then um, why wasn't that practiced inside the Holy of Holies? And of course, we, if, if you know enough to even know what I just said, then you know, you, you know that Hebrews is about the fact that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And that what he did was the once and for all sacrifice. No more sacrifices had to come afterwards because it was sufficient for all who call on his name. And so, um, with that said, let's continue reading. Don't be led away by uh, diversion, strength, teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those who devoted, those devoted to them. Verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Okay, so it's saying, yeah, the bodies are taken out there. Yeah, that's how they're discarded. And yes, that's how Jesus was treated. Therefore... Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the approach, re- reproach he endured. So the author of Hebrews is saying, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, that's shameful. So let's go embrace his shame. Let's go live in his shame with him. Let's be identified with him. Let's go through whatever he calls us to go through. Let's go suffer outside the camp. Let us be considered a, a dead animal that's been cast off. Let us be considered with this fool, this king of the Jews who... Who th- he really thought he was this Messiah and this Savior. Well, he was. And so let's go suffer with him. And so that is a huge leap from what we see in modern Christianity. Where so often we think, I, we might not think this, but this is what our actions in, entail. And when I say our, I'm not saying anyone specific. I'm talking about the, the general reaction to Christianity and people who call themselves Christians in Europe and in America today. And the way it is, is we we say that we want to follow Jesus. We say that we want salvation, but then there is no devotion. Or there might be devotion when things are going well, but then when things get hard, we run away. We don't want to be identified outside the city. Or maybe your personality dictates the opposite happening to you, where when things are going well, you don't think of him much. But the moment you need him, you're crying out to him, and he's your God again. That is not the way that Christ was ever intended to be followed. He is our Lord, and he is our Savior. He died so that we could have a relationship with him. He died so that we could have a way to glorify the Father. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let's keep reading. Before we close. For we have no lasting, for here we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. So what do we need to do in 2020? I've already given you some things. We need to obey what he's told us. We need to either be an example 
to those who are coming after us or to follow the example of those who have gone before us who are faithful. And now we need to look forward to his second coming. We need to look forward. We need to know that this is not our home. And I'm not just talking about Mansfield. I'm talking about all the comforts of this world. I'm talking about all the pains, all the sufferings of this world. This is not our home. We have something that is so far exceeding this that our minds can't even contemplate it. We can't even grasp it. We, we only can understand just small tastes of what is to come. We, we no longer have a home here on this earth. We will get to dwell with God. And that's what we have to realize, is that all the things that call to us, all the things that tempt us, all the comforts that say, don't make that sacrifice, don't give up that 30 minutes, don't change jobs, don't move to a new city, don't you name whatever it is. Don't love your neighbor. Don't forgive your brother who offended you. Don't you, Whatever it is that you struggle with, that you're having a hard time with, I guarantee you that your sacrifice, that Jesus is worth it. God is worth us obeying him. And so we have to be prepared to do that. We seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let's continue to offer up sacrifices of praise to him. Let's continue. Terry started the service, the prayer, prayer service this morning by saying something similar to this. Where were you reading? Was it Psalm? Psalm 98 verse 1. Let us offer up sacrifices of praise with our lips but we can't just do lip service. It has to be both. We have to have the obedience that's listed earlier in this chapter, and we offer up a sacrifice of praise. And we, not just with our lips, but with our actions, we offer sacrifices of praise. Um, it, we also see in the Psalms that David says that he would give a sacrifice, but the Lord wouldn't be pleased with it. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And so, are we truly following him? Do our actions reflect it? I know you love him. Why else would you be here? Love him in, in the sense of how we as define love, right? Like you have affection for him. You think good things when you think about Jesus. If you didn't feel that, you probably wouldn't be here in a church service. But when I talk about love, I'm talking about God-like love. Let us love him like he loved us. Let us love others like he loved others. He was willing to give up his life for them. Can we be the kind of people who are willing to set aside our preferences and our desires and our wants so that people can stop going to hell and we can glorify God? Why doesn't it break our hearts that our friends and our family members, and I know some of you in the past Two weeks, I've had conversations with many of you in this room, multiple of you, who are brokenhearted for those in your family who are not following Jesus right now. So I know I'm not speaking to everyone. But why doesn't it break our heart that billions, not just 
dozens, not just hundreds, not just thousands, not just millions, but billions of people alive today are going to go to hell because everyone who calls themselves a Christian is not following the example that those who came before us set and that ultimately Jesus set. I am standing here today telling you that I am not perfect. In fact, I'm more aware of my imperfections than I ever have been in my life. There are mornings when I wake up and I think how worthless I am without Christ. And how really, in reality, even with Christ, when it comes to my faithfulness, I'm, I'm not that good. But I can tell you that I am willing to follow God wherever He leads and whatever that means. I am willing to do whatever He calls me to do. And you can look to my example in that. And I hope that I can be faithful in that for you. And I also hope that there will be more of you leaders who would be willing to stand and say the same thing. Because we have for too long, we in America, in many parts of the world, for too long, we have called ourselves by His name And yet the fruit of our lives look nothing like his fruit. What are we doing? Why are we holding back? Why are we only obeying him in the areas where it's easy or comfortable for us? Why aren't we giving him everything? Verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the most generous church I've ever been a part of, without a doubt. I see the way that you take care of one another and you take care of people in this community. I see it all the time. There are times when we know of needs, and Rose and I wonder, like, how are we going to meet this need? And before we can even meet it, the need is met. I bet that in the past two months, Rose and I have given away hundreds, if not a thousand or so dollars to people in need. And... I guarantee you we've gotten every penny back without ever telling anybody what we have done. Because the people in this church are so generous to us and so generous to one another. I have seen you meet needs time and time and time and time again. This is not an area where you struggle. Maybe some of you, but as a whole, our church is incredibly generous. I'm so proud of you guys for reaching that goal that we set for Lottie Moon. But we need to be faithful in all the areas. Praise Him for the ones that we're faithful in. Praise Him for the blessings that He has given us. But let's continue to be faithful in what He's called us to do. Obey your leaders and submit to them. I like this verse. Y'all want to commit this one to memory? Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What's the weight of being a pastor, Ken, because of this verse? We are keeping watch over your souls, and we will have to give an account for all of our failures. 
if, if there's something that I've done that, that bothers you, it will definitely hurt my feelings when you come tell me. But I do want you to tell me. And I want to try to get better at, if, if you're right in the situation, which oftentimes people are, then I want to try to get better at that. Or I want to work on our communication so that we can see where the disconnect is. I, I won't, I, I can tell you this, that there are many nights when you're snug in your bed and I'm up praying for you. Or there are many nights when you're snug in your bed and I'm at the hospital with another church member. And I'm not perfect and no one knows that better than me. I, I promise you that I'm being accountable to God and that I see my weaknesses, most of them, probably not all of them. You guys can help me with that. From, so from my perspective here, I'm striving to keep watch over your souls, and I'm striving to, to live in a way that is best for you guys and to, to be obedient in things that you don't even want me to be obedient in. And sometimes, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Your, your part is... To follow the leaders. It's a fun game, right, when you're seven or eight, especially if you get to be the leader. Um, and if you're playing follow the leader and the leader goes off the cliff, what happens? So don't, shouldn't you want what's best for me and your other leaders? And I have a responsibility to, to I'm accountable to God for, for my, this role. And then for your leaders, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Some of you have given me the most joy at times, and then the same of you have been the biggest headache I've had that week. And so just you live your life wholeheartedly for God. That's all I'm asking, and that will give me joy. Verse 18, pray for us. He's talking about leaders. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I, I believe this to be true of myself. I debated whether to even say this, but I know I'm not perfect, but I really do love Jesus and I strive to follow him. And I can say that I'm following him with a clear conscience, not because I'm innocent, but because his blood has covered my sins and because I rely on that day to day. And I strive to get better at being a pastor, at being a leader, at being a husband, at being a father, day to day. Sometimes I feel like I've gone backwards. Sometimes I feel like I've regressed. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a dark, dark hole and pit that I'll never get out of. But that's just the day. And I strive to, to live my life with a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So he's wanting to be back with them. And so, uh, we're already late, but I'm going to read two more verses here. And before I do that, I just want to say that if I'm being the kind of leader and the other leaders in this church are being the kind of leaders that God has called us to do, if we're willing to make sacrifices, if we're willing to live lives of sacrifice, to live humbly, to serve others, to lead like God has called us to lead, if we're willing to to do what God has called us to do, and you're willing to follow us in doing that, think of what our church could do for Christ in this town, in this community, in this world. 
And so I, I do want us to think about us as individuals and what role we play and what role we need to play, but I also want to remind you that this church is a lighthouse for the community, that we have a responsibility to love those who are hurting. And if we can't get our act together in following Jesus, then what hope do those who are drowning and need our help, what hope do they have? And so we have to give it all to him. We have to say, I know what I want, but I want what you want, God. Some of us don't even know what we want, but we we need to follow what he wants. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so when we read this, This is my prayer. My prayer is that the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, that by the work of Christ, by who Christ is, that he would equip you with every good thing, with everything good, that you may do his will. You might think, I can't do whatever this is that you're convicted to do. I know God wants me to do this thing, but I can't do it. He will equip you. I know you've heard the saying before, but he doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. It's true. He will prepare you. He will transform you into who you need to be in order to serve him the way that he has called you to serve him. And it might be through suffering. It might be through hardships. When we look at how he's going to equip us, We tend to look at this and think, oh, good. He's going to give me all the money I need to be able to do the ministry that that I want to do. And and he's going to give me all these resources. Yeah, he might. But he also might allow you to go through the hardest thing you've ever gone through in your life in order to transform you into the man or the woman that he needs you to be for his glory. And if he can take the death of his son on the cross the most tragic thing that's ever happened, and turn it into the most glorious thing that can ever happen, then surely he can take what's messed up of our lives and turn it into good for his glory. Glory be to God. Can we please, please in 2020, do our best to live our lives in sacrifice for him, in service to him, in a way that honors him, relying completely on his grace for salvation, relying completely on his grace and his mercy to transform us into who we need to be so we can even obey what he has called us to obey, but committing to being disciplined, committing to obedience, committing, committing to following him the way that he has called us to follow him. Let's stop making excuses. Let's stop saying that's, that's the pastor's job or, yeah, well, that person's a Sunday school teacher. Of course he loves Jesus like that or she loves Jesus like that. And can we take personal responsibility for living lives that are completely, wholeheartedly sold out for Christ? There are changes I need to make and I'm striving to make. There are changes that are so hard for me because I'm so in the flesh so much of the time that it, it, it breaks me. I don't even know a better word than brokenness is what God is working in my life and has been working in my life. But I'm striving, 
and I love him, and he's worth it. He's worth any amount of suffering I go through, and it will never compare what he did for us. So during this invitation, I want you to respond to God in whatever way he's leading. There are some of you in here who need to say, I want to follow Jesus. I've never given my life to him. Maybe you've said you have, but you, there's no evidence of that. There, there was no change in your life. There's no fruit of salvation. Give your life to him today. Truly follow him. Truly commit to him. Allow him to save you by the blood of the lamb. And for those of you who are saved, maybe there's something that you need to, to surrender to him today. Maybe there's some area of your life that you're holding, you've been holding on to and you know you need to give it up. He's worth it. Give it up. You need it. The people around you need it. Our world needs for Christians to follow Jesus the way that he has called us to. And maybe you're in here and you're a leader and you haven't been leading the way that God has called you to lead. Maybe now is the time for, for you to get right with God, for me to get right with God. I'll be right here, and you can pray with me, and I might be at the altar for myself. We can pray for each other. But you respond to God in whatever way he's leading. If there's something you want to share with me, feel free to come share it. If you need to forgive someone in this room, go find them and forgive them. You respond to God in whatever way he's leading. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would use us. But before you do that, God, we need you to do some work on our hearts and on our souls, Lord. We need you now. Help us to be who you have called us to be. Help us to not forget what our leaders, how they live their lives and what they have taught us to do. Help us to be like them, but ultimately help us to be like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.